Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. Well, today we're continuing a series we began last week called It's Okay to Not Be Okay. We talked about the fact that there are many Christians and non-Christians who are struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression right now, struggling with fear, seemingly more than ever. Because, of course, because of COVID-19, uh, we find ourselves living in a seemingly different world this last year, and it's created a lot of issues for people, a lot of emotional issues, some mental issues, and God wants us free of all of that. God wants us to live our lives free of anxiety, free of depression, free of fear, he knows that it's okay, and we've said it this way, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And so God has really commissioned me, commissioned our church family to help you to get free from those things and really still enjoy your life in spite of what you've been through or what you may be facing right now. So last week we learned that we are under attack, that we have an enemy who is attacking us, not only attacking our country, not only attacking our bodies, but also he attacks people's minds. He tries to cause us to be anxious, to be fearful, to be depressed. And yet we learn that God is a God who once again can set us free from those things. And that what we need to do is run to him like David did in 1 Samuel chapter 30, where he was greatly distressed, but then he encouraged himself in the Lord. How we need to do the same thing. And if we'll do that, if we'll press into God, we'll find that God can set us free. I want to add another layer to that teaching today. And so I'm going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 23, and I want to go back to the story of David. Of course, verse 14 says that David stayed in a stronghold of the wilderness and in a hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let Saul find him. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Now, if you understand the context, David had been one of Saul's top men. He was the one that God used to kill Goliath. He was the one that was basically the general over Saul's armies. And yet Saul became jealous of him. And eventually David had to run for his life. So he's gone from being in the palace, being uh, a champion of the people, being the general of the army, even being married to Saul's daughter, to being a, an outlaw, somebody that's on, his, on the run, terrified for his life because the king himself and his army are pursuing him. So he's now hiding in the wilderness of Ziph. And yet in verse 16, the Bible says, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. So Jonathan sought David out and found him even when Saul couldn't. And Jonathan went into the wilderness, really went into a forest. If you look up some of the words that are used here, and he did that with the sole goal of encouraging David. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for David. As we just read, he went to encourage him to stay strong in his faith in God. Jonathan was actually focused on David's emotional strength, on David's faith. And so he showed up with the goal of encouraging him, of strengthening his faith in God, in spite of the fact that he was in this horrible situation, that he had to at least be tempted to feel down and depressed and anxious all the time. 
In fact, we keep reading verse 17. It says, don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. So Jonathan encouraged him by talking to him about what was going to happen then and what was going to happen in his future. He encouraged him in his now, basically saying God's going to protect you and in his future, God's going to do everything he promised you. Jonathan, he came and he encouraged David, his friend, and this played a role in David still having faith in God and David ultimately being protected from Saul and becoming the king of Israel. David did not get through his wilderness experience alone. Even though he had God, and we talked about that last week, how he encouraged himself in God. We talked about all the Psalms that he wrote where he would tell God how he was feeling, how he was down, how he was anxious, but he turned around in, in the middle of that Psalm and said, but my hope's in you and I'm trusting you. Even though he had all of that, that still wasn't enough. God also still used people to encourage him, to help him, to see him through that season in his life. In fact, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loveth at all times. Not just good times, but even bad times. That's what a good friend does. And a brother is born for adversity. In other words, God's saying, I gave you brothers for the purpose of them being there when you needed them the most. So just like David needed friends, he needed other individuals to help him get through his wilderness experience you do as well. I ran across a quote this week that jumped out at me. It said, the disease of loneliness infects us all. It's a dark, deadly plague. Friendship is the cure. That's good. That's from Mike Foster. Friendship is the cure. Why? Because there are some places we're not going to get to. There's some things we won't get out of without true friendship being a part of our lives. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says, Two people are better off than one. That's a kingdom fact. Two are better than one. In other words, God's saying the more people that are connected together, the better. That's just plain truth. Well, he continues here. For they can help each other succeed. Talking about them working together. Talking about them carrying out their assignment. When it's two of us, we can do a better job of of completing our assignments, then we can't try to do it by ourselves. Verse 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The idea here is, you know, of someone falling into a pit, the type of pit that's so deep, you can't get out by yourself. That's where some of us are right now emotionally. And this emotional pit of depression, this emotional pit of anxiety, and you're having a hard time getting out. You may even have heard the message last week and said, Pastor, I've been doing that. I've been praying. I've been praising God. I've been reading my Bible. And I, I seem to make some progress and I fall right back down. I seem to make some progress, but I fall right back down. I, I'm still not able to get out of this pit. Well, here's the answer. If you're going to do this alone, you may never get out. But if you have somebody with you, somebody you're in relationship with, somebody that you're real with that can help you lift it comes out of the pit, well, now you can be delivered from it. And that's what he's saying here. If you fall alone, you're in trouble. But if you have somebody that you're doing life together with, you have that friend in your life before you fall. 
Well, now you have the chance of still getting out of whatever pit that you're in. He continues in verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? They can't. I mean, we were laying outside in Detroit right now, and you found out yourself found yourself under a bridge. There's no way you're going to be able to be warm by yourself. You need somebody else to be laying next to you to be warm. And there are times in life where it is impossible to make it without the help of others. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And God doesn't want you to be easily broken. So notice here that God is telling us something that I think we ought to pay attention to, that we all fall sometimes. Notice that. I just want you to catch that. All of us are, are in position, are, are in danger of falling at some time or the other. And I'm not necessarily talking about falling in the sand. I'm talking about, you know, just finding ourselves in a, in a difficult situation, finding ourselves maybe dealing with some anxiety or depression or things along those lines. We're all individuals who can make mistakes. We're all individuals who can find ourselves slipping down that slope. And so when that happens, we need other people to help lift us up. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs 24 that says, a just man falls seven times and rises up again. And that is absolutely true. And God can help you rise again. But you know what? Often God does that by using other people. I like what Job 22 talks about. was talking about what, what, uh, what, what happened to a man who would turn back to God, all the great things that he would see and he would do. And in verse 29, it says, when men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up. So when there's somebody who is down, when they're depressed, one, one commentary says they're despondent and they're ready to despair. Well, then there's somebody else there in their life that's able to say, hey, it's going to be all right. Hey, this is not the end. Hey, God, God still got you. Somebody to encourage them. And so that, that's what God uh, wants. That's what God actually expects all of us to do, to be that kind of person for other people on a regular basis. Because the bottom line is that at one time or another, you know, most of us, if not all of us, are going to fall and we were going to need somebody else to help lift us up. You know, one of the things that I used to do when I was lifting weights with some friends is that I would have one of them be a spotter. So, you know, if I were laying on my back on a bench press, you know, and I wanted to try to see uh, how much I could bench, well, I would go ahead and load up the weights. But I wouldn't just sit there and do it by myself because if I do it by myself and I'm unable to lift this bar, well, this can get ugly. This can get ugly really fast. So, but, but having a spotter, meaning somebody behind me whose hands are kind of right under the bar, gave me the confidence to go ahead and try something I wouldn't try before. And if for some reason I, I could not get it up or I could not bring it down in a, in a, in a controlled way, that, well, that spotter could help me to do that. So for me to get as strong as I want to get to, for me to reach heights that I've never reached before, well, I needed somebody, I would need somebody to help me. I need a spotter. Well, we need spotters in life. We need spotters to push us to go and be all God wants us to be. Brothers and sisters in Christ who, as Hebrews 10 says, will provoke us to good works. We also need people in our lives who will be there to help us when we're dropping the weight, when things aren't going so well. And that's what God wants us to understand today, that sometimes you need others to help lift you up. And that might be where you are right now. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 continues with this thought and Paul is really kind of talking to them about uh, there are those in their lives who were followers of Jesus who have now passed away. And he's telling them, 
what to say to them to help them. And he's talking about the fact that, yeah, they may have left now, but you're going to see them again. And we've preached some of those things before. I want you to notice how chapter 5 and verse 11 says this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So comfort yourselves together. You know, I looked at the word comfort and dictionary.com defines it as to ease the grief or distress of, to console, to improve the mood of or restore a sense of well-being to. Bottom line is there are times where, you know, we are grieving, where we are in distress, where, you know, we are down and God wants us to be comforted. And the Bible teaches God is the God of all comfort, right? He's a God who can give you comfort in all of your trouble. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. God can comfort you in it. But notice that God often uses other people. And literally, he gives a command here. He's commanding that we keep our eyes open, right? We pay attention to what's going on with our brothers and sisters. We don't be so self-centered, so focused on what's going on with us that we miss opportunities to help other people God is saying, no, what I expect each and every one of you to do is to comfort each other when you need it. And of course, the rest of the scripture, of course, says to edify, build up each other when you need it. I love how the message translation says it this way. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. So even though they actually were comforting each other and they were building each other up, they were comforting comforting each other emotionally and building each other up spiritually. Paul was saying, this is so important that I want to make sure I emphasize. I want to say it again because this is important to God. God cares about how you feel. He is interested in soul care. He wants your mind, your will, and your emotions to be whole, to be healthy. Just like he wants your body healthy, he wants your spirit strong. He cares about that. And so he has placed people in your life to lift you up out of anxiety, out of depression, out of emotional pain. He's literally given us all the responsibility of lifting each other up when we need it. Because God recognizes that we have a huge impact on each other. We have more of an impact on each other than we really want to admit. But the bottom line is that, you know, the words of other people impact you, whether it's for good or bad. I mean, think about Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. We know that somebody says the wrong things to you, it can impact you. We also know somebody says the right thing to you, man, it can kind of help you heal up. I don't know about you. I've had a number of those conversations where I entered it bothered and upset and I left it feeling a whole lot better. And what happened was God used somebody to help me. God knows that they, the people he's placed in your life, can help you get free. They can help you heal. That your words can heal them and their words can heal you. Maybe one of the best examples of this is, is the way most of us handle when we lose a loved one. You know, we always come together to celebrate their lives. But, you know, that's not the end of the experience, right? Once the home going is over, once we've committed their body to the Lord, we usually come back together for some type of reception. Why? I mean, yes, we like to eat. Uh, we, we still want to talk about this loved one. But part of the reason why that's a tradition is because when family gets around family, we, we find a way to comfort each other. Being around each other 
helps us emotionally. It helps us to heal. It helps us to uh, grasp what's happening and realize it's okay. You know, what, what's happening in that situation? What's, what's happening is that God is, is using people to help us heal. And that's what God wants us to experience whenever we need it, especially right now in this season, especially if you're dealing with any type of depression or anxiety, you've got to recognize God has placed people in your life to help you get out of this. So Proverbs 27, now I'm going to get to my point. Verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There's a lot in this scripture, so I'm going to take my time with this. Obviously, it's good to be sharp spiritually, right? It's good to be sharp. Otherwise, God wouldn't put this in the Bible. But notice that he says that just like iron is needed to sharpen iron, you know, if you want to sharpen your swords, you got to find some other iron. Well, a friend is needed to sharpen a friend. And that's not just true in regards to sharpening them. It's true in regards to helping them get through things. Notice a friend sharpens a friend. Another way of saying that is a friend helps a friend. So we're not saying a, a good message. We're not talking about even a church or even a scripture. All those things are, are great. Those are all things God uses. But the emphasis here is God using other people. He's saying a friend helps a friend. You need those type of relationships. And of course, the word friend implies relationships. It means that you have someone in your life that you're close enough to that they can kind of, they can help you. They can help you to overcome whatever you need to overcome to be better than you are. They can help you to have the future God wants you to have. And I, I really want you to get this very simple fact that it's really not healthy to not have someone in your life to share your life struggles with. It's not healthy to not have someone in your life to get help from when you need it. You need this type of relationship. You need the relationship that David and Jonathan had. We, we didn't go there for time's sake, but you know, we when you start studying their story, you find that when Jonathan met David, man, God just kind of knit their hearts together. There was just this natural love they had for each other, a holy love, and, and they were just brothers like that. And we have times in the Bible where David just fell out crying in front of Jonathan. And, you know, he, he being real and because he was going through. And, and we, we, we see the, this, this bond they had. And we already read about how when David was going through in the wilderness, Jonathan comes and finds him to encourage him. Everybody needs a Jonathan. Everybody needs a David too. You need a Jonathan in your life and you need to be a Jonathan to other people. If you don't have that relationship in your life, now is the time to get it. And how do I do that? Well, he that desires friends, let him show himself friendly. Isn't that what the Bible said? That sometimes, sometimes we struggle with trusting people. We say, hey, man, I tried this before. Or this person did that. And this person did this. And this person did that. And I get that. But I, I, let me say something my dad says often. Don't throw the baby out with the dirty bathwater. Just because you've had some bad experiences doesn't mean the principle isn't right, isn't true. It just means you might need, you may need to make some better choices in regards to the individuals that you allow into your life. But there should be somebody in your inner circle, somebody that can frankly 
be sharp with you, right? You can have a little friction with, because that's how you get sharp. Is there some friction? Somebody that knows you, what you're going through, that can speak into your life, and that can help you when you most need it. Now, for that to happen, though, you're going to have to kind of take it to, to, to follow the example that's listed, for example, or mentioned in James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Confess your faults. The word confess means to acknowledge. The word fault here talks about your side slips. It talks about unintentional errors. It talks about intentional errors. It talks about when you fall. The point is that you need to actually be open. I mean, God's will is for us to help each other and for, to allow others to help us. Then we're going to have to allow ourselves to be open with some people. You know, the thing about COVID-19 is that we've all been required to wear masks when we go out in public. But there are a lot of people that were wearing masks long before COVID-19. And so I've got my, my Star Wars mask. Hopefully y'all can hear me through it. A lot of people have been living like this for years and years and years. And you go to church and you got on your mask. You go home, you got on your mask. You get around the friends God gave you to help you. You got on your mask. You go out in public, you got on your mask. You never take it off. And the problem is, under this mask, you are miserable. Under this mask, you are falling apart. Under this mask, you are wondering about if you have a future. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you are tore up. And you need to make a decision to take off the mask. Somebody put that in the comments. Take off the mask. You know, some of the biggest moments in Star Wars whether it's the original movies or even the Mandalorian, was when the characters finally took off the mask and you felt like you got a chance to really see them. It's time for you to take off the mask in your life. You can't get help if you don't let people see what you're going through. You can't get help if you don't trust somebody. You can't be warm alone. Remember how we read that? You can't be free. You can't get out of that pit alone. Somebody in your life needs to be allowed to step in and check on you, allow to encourage you, allow to check you, allow to, to be that Jonathan for you that pulls you out of this situation that you're in, that helps you to go from being not okay to being okay and beyond. But for that to happen, you got a choice to make. It's not something that God's going to force on you. No person can force themselves into your heart, into your life. You have to make the decision that I am done with the mask. You got to make the decision, I'm taking off the mask. I'm now going to go ahead and allow myself to uh, be helped by the people God has put in my life. And this is one reason why I talk about groups a lot. People think, you know, sometimes church people, and most people don't have a problem with this, but people that are around church while they kind of think they know everything. And so they kind of go, oh, it's not that important. I don't need it. But the problem is you're the very people that walk around with a mask on. And I know I grew up in church. I'm a preacher's kid. I've been around church my whole life. I know church people. So I go to church all the time and I see people like this all the time. I've seen it for all my life. And then they, then when they fall apart, people go, why they went to church or their kids fall apart? I don't understand what happened because they refuse to take off the mask. They will not get involved with other people in the way God wanted us to so that they could not, they, so that when things got tough, it wouldn't take them out. You got a choice to make. You got to make a decision to take off the mask, to be open 
with the people God has brought in your life so they can help you. And if you're saying there is nobody in my life like that, that's up to you. That's why we're talking about getting involved in small groups. That's why we talked about earlier, he that desires to show, to have friends, let him show himself friendly. That's why you, you can go into before God and pray and ask God to point you to people that he's put in your life. And God will do that because he cares about how you feel. He cares about where you are. And he doesn't want you to not be okay. He wants you to be okay and some. He needs you to be free so you can help set other people free. Because he needs, you know, you as people to help other people. But for that to start, you got to let other people into your life. To be free, you need to take off the mask. Well, somebody might say, well, Pastor, I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, I've been trained to just kind of keep myself to stuff to myself. Uh, I, I don't know how about making people, people know how I feel and all that. Well, let's look at the best example we could ever give you. His name is Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here. And watch with me. A couple of things that's happened here. Jesus knows he is about to be beaten and crucified and dragged into hell. He knows what's about to happen. So he comes to Gethsemane with all of his disciples. And then he has them sit. And then he takes the three that are a little closer to him and, and goes a little farther away. And then... When he's just with his three, notice he's not showing this to everybody. I'm not saying you go tell everybody what's going on in your life. But for those few people that God has really put in your life for this purpose, you know, that brother born for adversity, well, you should follow this example. When he gets around the three, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So this was some emotion. Notice Jesus had emotion, strong emotions, just like you and I. This was built up on the inside and he held it in until he finally got just around those people and then he let it out and he began to be sorrowful. What does that mean? He began to distress, man. He began to be sad. He began to grieve. He began to be very heavy. That means he, he distress of mind. I mean, he is feeling it, man. He's, he's dealing with some very deep, dark emotions. In fact, deadly emotions. That's why he says, man, our soul is sorrowful even to death. I'm so messed up right now. These emotions could kill me. That's what he's saying. That's how he felt. And then he said, so stay here and just watch with me. What, he, what What's the heart of this? Stay with me. Pray for, pray with me. Of course they didn't, but that's what he was saying. And if, of course, when it's all said and done, whether if people fail you or not, you still have God. Right. And, and God may use other people. But notice a couple of things here. Jesus didn't hide his pain. He didn't hide his pain. He said, pray with me. He was transparent with them that I'm hurting. I'm struggling right now. I need you to stay with me. I need you to pray with me. Jesus did that. Paul did the same thing. There's a couple of places in Scripture. We, we, we've listed one for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He's talking about a little bit after the fact. But he said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed 
and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Then he goes on to talk about how they ended up shifting their focus to God. And he mentioned in verse 11, you're helping us by praying for us. So, and he said it repeatedly in his epistles, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. He wasn't hiding that he was going through. He wasn't hiding that he was struggling. He was telling them, hey, this is what's going on. This is not the end of the story. Uh, God's going to come through, but man, pray for me. So I want you to notice that neither Jesus nor Paul wore a mask. Neither one of them could be in Star Wars. Neither one of them wore a mask. So why do you? Why do we think it's the Christian thing to, to pretend like I'm not hurting, to pretend like everything's okay, to act like I don't feel down today? I understand faith. I'm literally a faith guy. I grew up in the faith movement. I went to Rainbow Bible Training Center. That is like, that's like ground zero of the faith message. I understand that. But faith doesn't say I'm not struggling. Faith says I may be struggling, but God has given me the victory. Faith doesn't not acknowledge the difficulty. It just says that may be the fact, but now here is the truth. So what we've somehow gotten to the place where we want to act like that we don't even go through anything. And that is not truth. That is a lie. And Satan has used that to bind you. He's used that to bind me. He's used that to keep us in, in this place of not being okay while trying to minister to other people. And no wonder people break down and fall apart at the seemingly inopportune moments because you're not made for that. That is not God's intention. God's kingdom operates in this way. Communication is his expectation. He expects us to communicate with each other. If we have an issue with each other, he says in Matthew 18, go to your brother, tell them about the issue. Try to make it right. Same thing in Luke chapter 17. Go, don't, don't, don't hold stuff back. Don't hold a grudge. Don't go and gossip. You go directly to them. You know, in James 1, he tells us about how to communicate. You know, he tells us, you know, things like that. But the point is, God expects us to communicate with each other. He gave us words for a reason. He gave us each other for a reason. And the real reason why sometimes we walk around with a mask on is not because of some lofty, you know, wisdom about, you know, not letting people know about what I'm going through. It's because of your ego. It's because of your pride. And I don't know, I've, I can tell you, I've struggled with this as well. There were seasons where I made bad decisions because I didn't want people to think negatively of me. And you know what? They end up thinking negatively of me anyway because I end up making bad decisions. I've been better off being open and saying, this is what's going on, or this is how I'm feeling, and then allowing them to step in and help me than to blow up things and then say, well, you know, hey, I, I just didn't want to tell anybody because I don't, I care, I don't want y'all to think this way about me. Listen, let go of your pride. Pride is not a good thing, not this type of pride, where you are caught up in what people think about you. What matters is what God thinks about you. What matters is you having a life God wants you to have and the impact God wants you to have. It's hard to do that when you're not okay and you're wearing a mask so that nobody else can help you. Don't suffer in silence. Speak up. Speak up to those God put in your life. Let them encourage you. Let them pray for you. Let them give you some direction that can help you get out of this mess. I'll mention this one last thing. You know, I had this battle a number of years ago. Uh, I'm somebody that flew a lot early on in my ministry. The first couple of years of my ministry, I was pastoring in the Phoenix area, but basically living in Detroit. So for the first two years of that church, 
I flew about 16 hours a week. And then the last year I flew about eight hours a week. And a number of those hours, particularly near the end, we did on small private jets and all of that. So it was weird that, you know, after doing this for a couple of years, I developed claustrophobia. And I found myself in a situation where if I would get on a plane, especially those small ones, I was having a problem. Now, not once we got in the air, but just before we got in the air. I mean, I remember one time about to get on a small plane and I literally just couldn't get on the plane. I had to go into the bathroom and get myself calmed down and, you know, and, and, and I kept having this issue. I'd get on a plane even with a bunch of other people and I'd be struggling, you know, and, and all these thoughts would be running through my head and I, would, I was having a hard time. And what I would do then that would help me uh, is I would open my mouth. What I found was that when I would say something, it helped me get out of my own head and I'd start to feel better. And I would even just turn around and say, man, I'm starting to struggle with this. And it would like, it would start to lift. And I learned that even bringing somebody else in to this helped me. Now, over time, I got a hold of, you know, the Bible says God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And so it's something that I've been delivered from. Of course, Satan tries to bring it back every once in a while, but it's not an issue anymore. So I jump on planes all the time. But in that season, I learned how to deal with these, this, this anxiety, this, this, this issue that was just round, bouncing around in my head. And it was to not do it alone, to speak up. And, and doing that, just saying it helped release me. And I'm here to tell you that God's put people in your life to help you and just opening your mouth and saying, this is where I am and this is what I'm going through can help you. God wants you to let people help you. God's will is that you have help to get through whatever wilderness you're in and into the future he has for you. And, you know, this is one reason why God has given us even not only pastors and, and ministers, but even Christian therapists and the like. You know, often when you start talking about Christian therapists, people kind of go, well, you know, it, it, and especially faith folk, well, I don't need a therapist. Well, you may not. You may not. Um, but I don't think there's any different than going to a medical doctor. God has promised you physical healing. You don't. You can get it on your own faith. But while you're building your faith, it's, it's appropriate to go to a, a medical doctor. I was at a doctor yesterday. <laughs> it's appropriate to go to a medical doctor and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And for them to give you some instructions, maybe give you a little something to help with that while you build your faith. And sometimes what's appropriate for you is the way God may lead you. And it's important to be led by God in all of this because you got to go to the right doctor, no matter if it's a medical doctor or a, or a therapist. He might lead you to go sit down with somebody. And somebody, I would recommend somebody that's a believer, somebody that actually believes the Bible like you believe it. And, and But he might lead you to do that and just have some conversations with them and use them while you're building up yourself in God's word so that eventually you don't need them. But the key there is to recognize that God's put some people in your life. And yet for you to get, and for you to get to the results that you want, you're going to have to let them help you. I want to challenge you today to take off the mask. It's time to be you. It's time to be real. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So we've learned the first thing you need to do is run to God. The second thing you need to do is take off the mask with the people God has put in your life. And let's continue this journey to emotional wholeness and happiness to living the future God has for you. We'll pick up with the rest of this next week. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.